right. Good evening, ladies, gents, kings, queens, things, everyone, and everybody in between. Um, I'm Lee from the D. Um, I mean, <laughs> at Fashion Movie now, I, don't know. <laughs> I never know how to, like, because you, you can use your Instagram name because it's your real name, but it's not my Instagram name. My real name ain't one and the same. Therefore, I be struggling every time we do this. Girl, just throw an AK on there. You right. Throw a skew on there. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I could. Uh, but yeah, here we are. Mm-hmm. We're here. <laughs> um, and this is Reality Rewind. Um show where we take a dive into the world of reality TV and all the aspects of reality on TV. Oh, and I will say... Uh, this... So, you know, I be reading the reviews sometimes. Oh, God. I wasn't even going to mention it. I wasn't going to get this nigga lawyer. I mean, I ain't about to say the name, but there was one I found very funny. And y'all should leave y'all reviews and ratings to counteract this one because... <laughs> It was said that we sound like we don't know what we're talking about. And my question to that is, what is the correct way to talk about foolishness on television? Right. Also, we're talking about foolishness nine times out of ten. We've had a couple of drinks, sir, so fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I don't know what serious... Facts and things get touch foggy sometimes after a bottle of wine. reality TV show podcast you be listening to, but I hope you ain't come over here thinking you're about to get some real journalism, because, sir, you in the wrong place. <laughs> You better say that shit, bitch. Let's <laughs> get to the things. Um, okay, so I want to start the top of the show with a um, a warning. Trigger okay. warning. Well, let's give the title first and we'll go on to trigger okay. warnings. So we're gonna do um it's gonna be a two parter. We're doing Alan V. Farrow. Um, it's a four part documentary on HBO. You can watch it on HBO Max or Hulu, but you still gotta have HBO Max, so just mm-hmm. HBO. Um, and if for those of you who don't know who Alan or Farrow is, we're talking about Woody Allen versus uh, Mia Farrow. So trigger warning. Um, sexual abuse, child sexual abuse. Child um, coercion, grooming, grooming, um, a lot of mental abuse, like yeah, uh, abu- just abusing, abusing the, the general, system itself. System. Like this was a heavy one. Um, yeah, I had to watch Love and Hip Hop while I was watching this because I needed just sheer. Bitch, that is not. Girl, that ain't lighter. See, it is for me because I know it's all made up. Well, like, yeah, I'm not, I don't believe any of this is real. So it's very much. Love and hip hop. Yeah. Like, I don't believe any of No, not Allen versus. Her. Yeah, that's, no. no, that's, you know, just yes, clarifying. I don't that's all. anything from <laughs> love and hip hop is real. So it's, You know, we don't want this nigga talking about, you know, we don't want him coming in the comments talking about we didn't believe. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I no. Now, what I will say before we get into this, Woody Allen has said none of this is true. He has vehemently denied that this is true. He has said this is a hit job of a scorned ex lover, and so he denies all this. A woman scorned. Now, yeah, I say all that so that he can't sue us. Because 
were talking about this documentary in which he declined to comment for. Therefore, we mm-hmm. only got one side to talk about. Also, too, it just needs to be clarified that we are going based off of the facts provided, not only in the documentary, but also in an article um, from the New York Times. Mm -hmm. It is written by, hold on, let me get back to it. Um, It is written by Sopan Deb, Deborah Lederman, and Sarah Barr, um, as well as... um, there was another article that I had from a woman that was actually in the documentary. It was the woman who wrote the Vanity Fair yes, article. Yes, the one who wrote the Vanity Fair piece, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she, a few years ago, came out with uh, 10 undeniable facts about the Woody Allen sexual abuse allegations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that woman's name is Maureen Oath. So... I just want to say that, and you niggas can put the responsibility where it lies. We're just reading. <laughs> yes, and it's, I, I gave you niggas names. Also, Go after them. I mean, what I just said was Woody Allen's official <laughs> release statement. So these are his words. Like we're just at this point. I myself, and I think maybe I can speak for my co-host that I'm not going to insert my opinion about the allegations i will strictly keep it to talking about the film that was presented in front of me yes yes um i i won't be giving my opinion about the allegations i will be giving my opinion about how those allegations are handled within the court system it's like we're gonna we're not gonna say yes or no right or wrong that's not our job we that's not what we're here for but we are going right. to address what we think were failures through the system because I feel like there was a lot of them. And also address mm-hmm. kind of the way everybody involved in this situation handled things. Just because we yep. may disagree with the handling does not say that we are saying we believe one thing or another because this is not a place for our personal opinions on anything other than the program that we watch. Exactly. Um, I will say on a personal level, just for everyone to understand, on a personal level outside of this, believe victims. Boom. Yes. <laughs> Pull it all in together. Yes. Now, I, I um, do say that on a personal level. I always believe the victim until proven otherwise. Yes. Um, But we're not here to sway you to believe one thing or another. No. Despite the facts presented. Despite the facts. <laughs> Like, I don't judge you if you still listen to R. Kelly despite the facts presented to you. I judge you if you're listening to R. Kelly and it's still money being sent back to any kind of company or corporation that helped to protect him. If you want to keep listening to R. Kelly, at least have the common decency to steal the music. I don't. <laughs> I don't judge people for it. I know where I stand. I'm not going to judge nobody. Just like I don't judge people for still watching Woody Allen movies, although I know where I stand as far as this is concerned. Right. Also, what you doing your own time ain't got shit ain't to do got a with me. Damn Just keep the shit away from me. me. Just don't bring the shit into my home and we good. The, that is it. <laughs> and that's basic human respect, yep. y'all. All right. So we're uh, going to dig on in, into before the... Before we get into that, because I want to, since it's so heavy, I want to start on a mm-hmm. on a happy note. I know we don't normally do this, but this is something that I, because this one's the, probably the heaviest thing that we've done. Let's start yeah. out with something that 
has given you joy in the last week or something that you're looking forward to? Keep it PG, honey. Because <laughs> <laughs> you saw my face is like, I don't think I can really talk about that. Um, okay. Uh, I've been making sure to have and engage in new experiences mm-hmm. um, at this present point in my that's life. Cool. Um, and that's been giving me a lot of joy. Uh, that just felt so but good. <laughs> you know, just a little bit. I just wanted to be a creep, just it's a little fine. bit. You do but it so well. We'll say that a bitch is cheesing. Mm-hmm. Well, I am going to be talking to Lupe Fiasco this week. Word for what? Um, he's doing a virtual show, and oh right, like I have the meet and greet ticket. So on Thursday, I'm going to be talking to Lupe Fiasco for a few weeks. I mean, for a few minutes. Sorry. (laughs) I know that's right, bitch. And you better. My plan is to kick put bitch. A B P. Always be plugging. Trying to get him to come onto one of the podcasts. That's what I'm working towards. Getting him on one of the podcasts. You better woo that nigga. He's already told me I was pretty before, so. The divine Mister Kicker. (laughs) You know, you know, there's hoes selling hoes like right around the toes, and the crackheads bay got about the lower leg. Crooked police that's hanging around the knees. Well, they do drive-bys up and down the thighs. (laughs) Going on at the waist. You have vests on my chest. Looking out the face. That was always my shit. I would listen to that at least once a week. I listen to that. Same. I mean, um, that was some old school Lupe again, for y'all. Lupe's on my walls. <laughs> I know that kind of surprised you a little bit, though, bitch. You was like, no, this nigga ain't oh, got no, this. <laughs> he know this. Well, y'all, that's all the joy and laughter you get out of yeah, this episode because it's about to I suck the to, air out of the room. Get y'all light in the beginning to. And then when we get to the end of part two, we'll lighten it up again. But we got to get to the heavy stuff at some point, right? Yeah. Well, so Alan versus Pharaoh. Um, the documentary itself opens up with um, Dylan talking about having... Well, actually, opens up with the video of um, Woody Allen mm-hmm. at the Plaza Hotel for the press conference. Um, and it's in regards to the child sex abuse. Yes. You just see the smallest snippet of it. Next, we get Dylan talking about having panic attacks after her abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go through the scrapbook, and she starts to say, oh, well, you can actually see that some pictures have been removed. And you can see where some pictures have been cropped. Yes. Um, she states that she feels like she let the little girl down that she was before for not speaking mm-hmm. up, which is why she's speaking up now. So then we get home video footage, (laughs) and it's very uncomfortable. Um, The most notable thing was they're in the pool. You remember that? So they're in the pool, 
And Woody Allen looks to Mia Farrow, who has a video camera, which, okay, I have to be, like, this is going to be, this is probably going to be the, the funny thing of the episode, because I was thinking this the whole time I was watching this. In the in the 80s and 90s, video camera, like, home recording cameras were heavy as fuck. Heavy as hell. <laughs> Mia Farrow is a tiny Very woman. Small, small, small woman, and she's holding this big ass, like, industrial all the time video camera all the time. All the time. Every time some home footage came out, I said, God damn, this bitch got a strong you know, shoulder, don't she? Like 12 <laughs> kids in the house. You know her arms is mashed up. Oh my God. This is this is why Mia Farrow stayed so thin and is still living to this day because she spent her whole goddamn life running after uh-huh. children and carrying a heavy ass camera behind right. them. I was in shape. <laughs> Shit, that was an upper body workout. Fuck a Susan Powder. Exactly. Fuck a Richard Simmons. Get on that Mia Farrow. You live across the street from Central Park. You know the kids are running all through that big ass park. So Bitch. you already know. Everywhere. You know it. And I feel like that's why she moved to Connecticut. <laughs> but we'll get into is, that. And this tells you how like, disconnected I have always been from Woody Allen. I've seen this man, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times. Never paid attention to the fact that it was him. Well, that's funny because they mentioned that in the documentary where they say one of the New Yorker experiences where you know you're a quote-unquote yeah. New Yorker is running into Woody Allen. I used to see him all the time. When I worked in Columbus Circle because I would take the girls to Central Park all the time, I would see him when mm-hmm. I would like go to the grocery store to get snacks or you know whatever. I used to see this man all the time and never had attention to it. Girl. I mean, he's but kind of a he, nondescript he like guy. Jewish white man on the Upper East Side. I was gonna like, say nothing like about he's him every... stands out. Like if you, because literally you could put him in a room full of Upper East Side Jewish white men, and you wouldn't be able to pick him out. And every time I no. see him, I think about the actor that played Will's father on Will and Grace, because he reminds me of him. Please. I don't remember his name. Hold on, let me. Somebody, I'm gonna look because I know somebody gonna try to correct me when this come out. <laughs> It was actually <laughs> right. It's somebody's gonna actually me. So let me look for real before. <laughs> Who played Will's father? Oh my gosh, he wasn't on here a lot, so he's like way down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he didn't even come up. Like, literally not even here. They said he's not important. But they got... <laughs> it's funny because they got, like... Like, Kristen Stewart for her one episode. The one episode oh, well, that Britney Spears did. Like, all of them are on here, but... You know, they're... Oh, don't say that, Lee. I was going to say, you know, they're relevant. Oh, wait a minute. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. That's not him that's i confused him with the guy from carol burnett because they got who played grace's mother but it was also debbie reynolds so duh <laughs> yeah and she killed it god bless debbie uh-huh. reynolds i definitely don't see she was that girl who played the guy who played his his uh father why won't you actually niggas leave it in the comments yeah because somebody's <laughs> gonna actually me 
Why don't y'all help us along and leave this shit in the fucking comments, you raggedy ass. <laughs> no, thank you for listening, yeah, we y'all. Thank it. you for y'all listening. Y'all just as raggedy as us. I really do. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't see just it. Whatever. As awful as we are. But he looks a lot like that actor. So. Okay. Just nondescript Which Jewish just man with black like glasses. How... And a tweed exactly. jacket and khakis. And you know, seeing a white man on the Upper East Side with black brown glasses and a tweed jacket is like seeing a bag of flaming hot Cheetos in the hood. Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think that also... Well, we'll get into that because that definitely plays in it his does. favor, too. Very much so. Um, but the, the home video we see is them in the pool and... Woody looks to Dylan and says, Dylan, can you repeat that? Or tell your mama, tell your mama. And she says, some daddies are handsome in their bathing suits and some are funny. And th- for such a small child to say something weird. like that like, it felt, felt very icky and kind of gross. Because it's like, why would you even right. be... I think it partially felt kind of gross because we went into this with an idea of already having somewhat of an understanding of it and it just added another layer to it. We're looking at it with fully informed eyes. Yeah. Because I'm sure like even Mia Mia looks back at that now and is like, ew. Like, you know, whereas all the red at that time. How did I miss all these red flags? He's just a little eccentric because we all, they're always just a little eccentric or just a little too affectionate mm-hmm. or, you know. There's always something slightly off-putting where it's disarming. Yeah. And you you take it as a, a neuroses or a quirk. Like one of this person's just but weird idiosyncrasy. In some cases. And we're right. gonna, in so, in it's some like cases. nothing that they should be held for because they haven't done anything. Because it's like you haven't seen anything mm-hmm. that looks outwardly fucked up or foul, right? It's just, right. you know, you may be one of those people that look at people a little bit too long or, you know, overly touchy or, you know, whatever the case may be. That's, that's def- definitely something that they, definitely something that they bring up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, then we, um, oh, uh, Dylan also says something that is really important she says you can love someone and also be afraid of them and it's that's a very simple idea that people like to pretend doesn't exist and glaze over but is the basis of abuse and people just in general people try to act like the duality of emotions doesn't exist right like Like you can love someone and not like them you can be happy for somebody and be jealous of them you can like it does these the mm-hmm. these duality of extreme emotions is part is a large part of being human because it's very rare you're single you have a single feeling towards anyone or anything. Right. We have to stop treating everything as um these as black and white, these yeah. one notes. Yeah. Like it can't we, we, we can't continue to do so. We have to begin to Accept the many layers and the many complexities that come with every situation right. in an effort to better understand all of exactly. this shit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, did you see? Oh, we get into Mia's house. Did you see Mia's house? So I, my ignorant ass was like, this is like the beginning of a hoarder's episode. Yes. 
<laughs> all these like knickknacks and paddy wax and antiques and bullshit. On. I was just like, oh, but see, when I see stuff like that, how can I say this? Stuff like that is triggering for me because okay. I know that that's a trauma response, right? See, I was wondering because that myself. Because I've seen it a lot, and it's funny because people don't even realize they're doing it. And I even had to catch it in my own self. When you've had something important taken from you, you tend to hoard other things, right? As a mm-hmm. trauma response, whether it's like the loss of a child, of a partner, the you know, whatever it may be, you tend to hoard weird little things as like a, a trauma response. It's like, I'm going to hold on to all these things because I can control this where I couldn't yes. control and this is what's what I comfortable. lost in the beginning. So Dylan actually brings up, and it's a it's a thing that's been going around. And I've been seeing it all over Twitter actually today as well. I'm um, talking about um, we always end up stunted at the age that we were traumatized. Yeah. Um, and I'm really wondering if that that period, maybe not necessarily that age, but that time period for me of Pharaoh was the exact same thing, which is why the home it looks homey. Don't get me wrong, but it looks like it's. 91, so I, 92. Like, like, it looks like she's still living yeah, in it. Yeah, very much that. But I also, another thing that I pulled from that, and it's just because of, you know, because I'm looking at it from my, with, through my personal lens. But I pulled from mm-hmm. that was it was like, there's this daughter that she didn't give birth to, but she acquired and loved and raised. And then she lost her. Mm-hmm. Right. So now it's like this collection of things that she didn't create, but she's acquired and loved and she's keeping it very close to kind of fill the gap of this daughter that she didn't create, but she loved nonetheless. Mm -hmm. So that's what it felt to me because it felt very much like a trauma response. It's like her trauma really happened right at 92 when she not only had to deal with what was happening with Dylan, but also lost soon, and also dealing with it publicly. Exactly. Um, Mia begins to express regret for bringing Woody into the home and into the lives of the children. Mm-hmm. They also mentioned I didn't I didn't even realize this that Woody Allen has had a movie out every year for the last like four yes. years. He just had one, and that even in twenty twenty, and it was it's Spain, and in that book that he was quoting from that they kept playing his quotes from also came out last year. Oh, that shit. I saw that too. And I remember when that book happened and I was just like, why are we, why are we doing this? I girl, I don't know. And then to hear, I don't want to get into that yet, but he does the audio book himself. So you're actually hearing him. him Say this. Say these it's words, just and it's like ugh, awful, terrible. Yeah. Um, they bring up a very interesting thing, and they bring it up um multiple times. Um, so I'm gonna try and lump all of that together in this one area. Uh, the common persona of Woody's character, male characters, as being like these weak and small, and these men, like lovable but, loser type guys these lovable losers who are 
who are in relationships with women between the age young girls and young women. I'm going to specify yeah, and it's that. always like this kind of oh shucks kind of guy, you know, the one that is like, you know, they just mm-hmm. kind of float through life and they never really the same kind of guys that Will Ferrell almost always plays. Where it's like they just kind of float through the through life, kind of goofy, not really like being acknowledged one way or the other. It's just like, mm, you know. I'm sure Will Ferrell is not appreciative of being brought up in this moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, Will Ferrell. <laughs> Will Ferrell's sitting there minding like, his white ass business with his his curly high top. Like this ain't got sorry, nothing to do with me, niggas. You're I'm trying to make Talladega Nights too. <laughs> but no, I know what you mean yeah. though. It's that like unsuspecting, lovable that very, goof like, who's, goofy movie who's not the jock, character. but super smart. Yeah, that very goofy movie and kind of charismatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and it also kind of leads a little bit of credence to, because um, all of the women who were journalists and film critics um, in the film, I, I mean, in this documentary, we're talking about the female characters at uh, Woody Allen They're wrote always, and how they were these strong, independent female characters. But always very young and were, very oversexed. Very young and oversexed. Yeah. And it actually brought to mind a little bit of kind of what's going on with um, like Josh Whedon. Just in the context that Josh Whedon has had been praised for a very long time for writing, like writing Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer. Um, doing dollhouse doing firefly um and writing these really fleshed out strong female characters only to come out find out that unfortunately he is scum yeah Yeah. um and i also like and also i noticed in the in this documentary too like all of the film most of the film critics that they were talking to um about Woody's work in relationship, not just to the case, but to um, his possible proclivities Uh were women. And I appreciate the fact that they made sure to get um, women who had at least some kind of personal connection to it, who were still able to um, see the forest from the trees for lack of Yeah, very much so. Like, they were still very much able to see it for what it was while acknowledging what it may have done for them. Unlike one Miss Diane Keaton, who I hate that I have to dislike her. Uh, It's breaking my heart. I mean, (laughs) did she not just ruin First Wives Club for me? Every time I like a white person. Bitch, I I can't even like I can't even sing "You Don't Own Me" without feeling awful because of her relationship, continued relationship. uh, See, for me, my issue isn't even her relationship with him because it's like if you choose to stand by your friends, you choose to stand by your friends. That's your life. I don't have to do with that. It's the very loud and critique of (laughs) Dylan. Because it's like, lady, you don't know any... This is the same problem I had with Felicia Rashad. It's like, you don't know this. Just because you may not have seen it, don't jump up screaming and hollering that they could never because you don't know. 
That's it. I I wholeheartedly prefer if you don't make a yeah, comment. Yeah, just just. I prefer. And that. honestly, you can even say I've never seen these characteristics of them because it's like that's just speaking from your own lens. That same thing that they said about Lisa Leslie when they when. Gail was trying to make her say Kobe was a rapist, and she kept saying, I never saw that. She's speaking from the only place that she can come from, which is her own perspective. Herself. That's not saying that somebody lying. That's not saying that he did or didn't. That's just saying that I did not have that experience. That's And that's how, like, if if you feel that is a necessity for you to make a statement, which honestly is, it's most cases. It's, it's not. not. And the funny thing is, Lisa you Leslie was not trying to talk make that statement about, about nobody but you. That's why she answered the way she did. But, she wasn't even trying to talk about that. She was talking about honoring her friend and here come Gail with the bullshit. I, I don't blame her. Like, but you know. Um. Okay, so. Uh oh, my next note is Mia looks like a child. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry, that confused me? me too. No, was it wasn't. Like, she looks like it wasn't. a toddler. Like I know this is a fully grown woman, but she looks like an elementary school kid. She wasn't though. When she was with Frank Sinatra, she oh, no, was, no, no, no. she started I'm talking about Peyton Place at 18. See, oh, Mia looks like a child. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I was talking about Dylan, because Dylan's face is still very childlike to me. Well, she's only, she's our age. It, no, but it's like, it's not like young looking. It's like childlike, right? Like, you look at her okay. face now, compared to a picture of her when she was seven, it's like she didn't age. Her face is still very childlike. Like, it's still chubby like a kid's and very rounded like a kid's face. Okay. So it's like, I can listening see what you're to saying. her tell this story and looking at this very, like, cherub-like child face was also kind of fucking with me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she does have a very, like, full Victorian It's face. very cherub-like. Which, but when I think of cherubs, I think of children. So, it's, that's the thing. It's like, it's, yes, I know, I know and fully understand this is a fully grown woman, but you know what I mean. I'm not going to. I'm not going to touch that because we just made that large ass disclaimer at the top of the hour. So I got to do good. Oh, <laughs> no, I was just speaking about how it helped, how I took in the film. It wasn't. Uh, I'm going to shut up. Okay. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you will. Y'all will eventually see the power that this man yes. has. Um, so. Mia ends up marrying um, Andre Preven, yes. and this is after dating Frank she Sinatra for a small Frank amount Sinatra. of time. Oh, she married him for about yeah, two years, and then, and then they got divorced because she was doing Rosemary's and Baby. She also didn't want to be that famous. She was like, "I don't. This is a lot. I don't want to do that." I don't think she ever really wanted to be famous because she only got into acting after her father yeah, died. Yeah, she didn't want to be famous, and that was just a way to help supplement. No, she. I think she loved the act of acting, but I. She didn't want the cameras no, in the spotlight. She, didn't want she any just of that. wanted a and quiet that's kind life. of what attracted her to Woody Allen because he was quiet and not in all of that. Well, there's a, nothing. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. So she. 
She was married to Frank Sinatra for two years, um, and they end up uh, getting a. She says they end up getting a divorce because she was trying to finish this movie and put her career first, and Frank wanted her to quit the movie in the mid in the middle of it, in the middle of it, and just come home. But Frank Sinatra is also older than her at this point and has a very well established career where he can pull that kind of shit. And also, I mean, Um, it has been alleged that he was also abusive. Uh huh. So I wasn't going to go there because they didn't bring it up in the documentary, but patterns. I mean, I'm just saying it has been alleged that, and that, that does shed some light on to how she ended up, where she ended up. I, you know, I will also kind of just say this. I, not that Frank Sinatra was the finest thing, but Woody Allen, nonetheless. (laughs) So, um, Mia ends up divorced. Oh, I wanted to touch this too. Bitch, they talked about Rosemary's Baby only slightly. And the only thing I can think of was, did Tyra Banks ever get her pixie cut? <laughs> did she ever get that Rosemary's cut? Because she, every season, every she season, did. one of the girls was going to get that one Mia Farrow and Rosemary's cut, yes. Baby pixie cut. And when they showed it, I just kind of, I guffawed. Because the first thing I thought was, did Tyra ever get that cut? I mean, Did I had that cut. cut I wanted? lived for that cut. I definitely had that cut. No, it's a beautiful I, I love it. that kind of yeah. pixie cut. When that shit came back around in the 90s for the punk girls and the riot girls, like, I lived for I that. Just it, had, it's just, I had it, that cut. It's easy and it's beautiful. Year, I think. Yeah. Give it for last, I had that cut. I just, I like short hair on women. Um, But Mia gets divorced from Frank Sinatra. She ends up um, in a relationship with then marrying Andre Preven. Yes. They then have two sons, uh, two twins, Matthew and Sasha, followed by Fletcher. And then they adopt Lark, Daisy, Sun-Yi. and Sunyi. Yeah. Um, Mia specifies that she wanted to adopt Sunyi because she wanted to uh, give love to an, an older, older child. child. Yeah. Um, and that was about what nineteen? That was about nineteen seventy-seven. Soon Yi was seven years old. So in 19, between nineteen seventy-seven and nineteen seventy-eight, the relationship begins to break down between Mia Farrow and Andre Preven. And then nineteen seventy-eight, um, she gets a divorce. Seventy-nine, she actually meets Woody Allen at Elaine's in New York. With Michael fucking Kane of all people, which I kind of cackled at that, it was like, where did this I nigga mean, come from? The thing, the <laughs> with these about, fucking mutton the chops. Thing about, like, Hollywood, especially at that time, it was like all the New York girls knew each other, all the LA girls knew each other. Like, it was like they always like randomly together in random places. You would see these pictures, like, how the fuck was y'all even in the same room? Like, it's like. <laughs> right. And he's just casually, he literally is just casually like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go meet Mick Jagger. You should come. And Mia's like, no, no. Mia says, I don't want to go initially. And then he goes, well, I'm going to meet Mick Jagger. You know, we're going to have some fun. She's like, man, okay, why not? Bitch, what? (laughs) Just so casually. "Eh, I don't have anything else to do. Like, it's like. (laughs) Also. I know Michael Caine is mad that they brought his ass up because he's like, I was he's just like, at I was dinner. just in the function. <laughs> I didn't know these niggas was doing the, the things. 
I just wanted to see if my girl wanted to get a bite to eat and a drink and just kind of relax for a bit. She's been going through. We just trying to get a filet and a good little cocktail and not trying to be involved in the fuck shit. (laughs) Right. He's like, my good girlfriend is a single mother of six. Let me take her out. Let me get her some food. You know, Mick's coming. You know, it's always a good time when Mick comes. It's always a good time when Mick shows it. I want to just casually say... Whoever's coming to my home, just you know, you know, it's, it's Whenever, fun. we'll have we'll have some crudite. You know how it is. <laughs> you know how it is when Lou shows up. It's just a riot. Like it's like, <laughs> oh, uh huh, uh huh. That's exactly what it was. Oh, excuse me. So she ends up meeting. Um, she ends up walking past Woody Allen's table with Michael Caine. They end up um, in, engaging in conversation and deciding to uh, pursue some kind of interaction, not quite dating, but it goes in that direction. They find out that they live across this cross Central Park from yes. each other. So they do shit like turn the lights on and off at each other to say, I love you. Or when she was saying, I love you more, I love you uh, times 10, she'd take a towel and yeah. hang it off the balcony. <laughs> Meanwhile, the neighbors are like, what the fuck is now, going on so at that house? This is the funny thing, right? So those like Central Park building signals are actually a thing. And people do it all the time. I like see different random things. Really? Like between those buildings, like I'm like, oh, that must be somebody's like signal. Because the buildings are far enough apart that it would take time, like a couple of minutes to get from one to the other. But close enough that you yeah. could see if you knew which window you was looking at. But why not just call? It's more fun. You know, it's more fun. <laughs> and I remember as a kid, um, <laughs> my neighbor, the kid that lived next door, our bathroom windows face each other. So it would be like random little bathroom window signals because it was like just fun to do. But you sending bathroom signals and it's somebody's daddy in there taking the morning. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> it, it'll be like a piece of green construction paper on the windowsill or like shit like that. Like y'all had your yeah, codes. We had yeah. our codes. It's just fun when you like it's fun, weird, nerdy stuff to do. So Well, Mia and uh Woody were damn sure into the nerdy and not just the nerdy. Yeah. Um, she says it was a little bit of a whirlwind because um, Woody was interested in art. He was interested in films. He was interested in mov- movies and books. So they begin to bond and they uh, develop a relationship. However, Woody never wanted to meet her yeah, kids. No. Which he said he was team fuck them kids. Another flag. Another flag. I mean, yeah. Um... Yeah, I and okay. I just (coughs) (coughs) Mia Farrow, based on this documentary and everything that was laid out within the bounds of this documentary, Mia Farrow was gaslit from From the very very beginning beginning. to the very end. But at the same time, I think. Yes, she was. It was very much gaslighting from the And she beginning. made unnecessary allowances. I was just about him. to say, I think that because he fit into this low-key, not celebrity, we can just sit and be weird and normal together box for her, unlike the guys that she had been with previously, 
she made too many. Yeah. She made a lot of allowances just based on that. A lot. So even a though lot. he was gaslighting her, she also was willingly ignoring things. Yes. Um. So they begin to they begin to date, and Woody begins to develop um a softer heart with the kids after meeting them. Yes. Uh, Mia moves to Connecticut and it gets to the point where Woody begins to come up and visit during the summer. Um, Woody and Woody. Oh, we forgot. I forgot. Moses got adopted by this point too. Um, Woody and Moses develop a tight bond and relationship. And I think, I really think Woody Develop that relationship with Moses because physically and in mannerisms, because Moses seems to be awkward. Yeah. Like Woody saw some things of himself within Mm -hmm. Moses from the glasses to the awkwardness. Uh, He, it was his Korean doppelganger. It really was. It was essentially his Korean doppelganger. And that's, I think that's part of why he ended up adopting him. Oh yeah, it is. It is. Um, but Mia and Woody begin to. Well, Mia begins to talk about. Mia asks Woody. Let me just put it this way, because this is what she says. Mia asks Woody, "What? How do you feel about us having a child together?" And this nigga said, "No go." Right. Mm-hmm. And then he said, "Okay, we can try." So they try, and the, it it's to a failure. And Mia suggests, "Well, what about adoption?" Mm-hmm. And Woody says, point blank period, that he would be for it if it was a little blonde girl. Yeah. Um, I thought that was just slightly peculiar. It was to me because I was like, why are you that invested? Into the aesthetics of a child that you're adopting. Especially considering that the children that Mia Farrow tends to adopt at, by that point, well, before this point, were I must say had almost all been Asian children, yeah. Asian children, yeah. Um, now, we also have to okay. speak I'm to sorry. the fact that at the time that she was... <laughs> this is a lot. My brain is no, just it's like... Fine. Okay. At the time that she was adopting these children, it also was during the um, the Korean War. So, or Vietnam, I don't know which everyone was happening at the time. One of the wars in Asia. So it was like she okay. was more sensitive to Asian children at that time, which is why all of the children she adopted have been Asian. So we do need to. And that makes sense. That. I think it was the Korean War because I think she said that it was, she remembers seeing images of these Korean children starving on TV. And that's when she started adopting Korean children. Well, I definitely know Moses was Korean. I definitely know Sunyi was Korean. Well. I don't know about Lark Daisy and Daisy. Is Korean. Okay, Daisy is Korean. I don't know too. about Lark, but Daisy okay. is definitely Korean. Because she got Daisy and Oh, so they kind of played Lark and Daisy in this. Yeah, they didn't talk about them much. Like at all, really. <laughs> no, you got a couple of like audio interviews but that was but they also are really seemingly it. the most adjusted of the children because so because now we're up to the point where after they adopt Dylan and Woody develops this like unhealthy obsession with Dylan 
Mia does become pregnant with a boy. Yes. And he's wholly uninvested. The boy is born and they named the child Satchel. Which I thought was I, It's cute. Because I was like, Satchel it's Page. Cute. But, you know, Woody's so wholly uninvested. And, that, and then we also, that is a big thing to acknowledge because he, at some point, his name becomes Rowan. I don't know mm-hmm. when this switch happens, though. Because he was so I think uninvested it happens. in this child. They didn't even acknowledge when this boy's name was changed. I think that has and and don't quote me on this. One of you, one of you nigga investigators will will let us know. Um, actually, no. I maybe it wasn't 2013. I just remember the rumor that Ronan Farrow could really be Frank Sinatra's child. I remember that rumor as well. So I don't know if there was a name change because of that. He might have just wanted to disavow of the name because Woody gave it to him. Who knows? Um, it's also important to note, too, before before they start having these conversations about adopting Dylan, mm-hmm. um, Woody and Mia begin working together on film. Yes, all the films. All the films. And Mia states that um, because she was older at this point, she wasn't sure if she can get an agent or she can get a manager. Mm-hmm. So all of her business was tied up through the exact same, the exact same agents, exact same yeah. managers as Woody's, which is a beyond a fucking conflict of and interest. And also, it very much leads into the manipulation and gaslighting that he was further able to do because he also now controls her livelihood. Boom. There it is on the table. Um, so in 1985, um, Mia, Mia Farrow adopts Dylan. Woody has not adopted her yet. (laughs) Um, shortly after that, uh, two years later in 87, um, Satchel, uh, but who we know as a, actually a pretty badass fucking journalist, Mm -hmm. Ronan, um, Ronan Farrow. Like, he, he is a fucking tour de force when it comes to writing. I mean, um, Woody, this, this nigga I live with knows him. I wouldn't you be surprised. You know they all know each other. <laughs> yeah. And Ronan is, also Ronan is very handsome. He is. Very handsome man. And he seems kind of decent. I know, like, you know, he seems like a I good mean, he person. He said that he's a he's a decent guy. They don't like know each other super well, but they've met a couple times, being that they work in the same city. And he's and he said it along with a lot of other journalists I know, where it's like they're not always the biggest fan of his style, but he's very good at what he does. Yeah, his style seems to be more abrupt and ambushy. Mm-hmm. But I get that, though. I mean, considering the shit that you exactly. had to endure, this shit, I would be abrupt and ambushy, too. Um, they talk about um, Woody's, uh, I don't want to say, Woody's relationship with Dylan, where the, the teddy bear yeah. story, where she left her teddy bear, and he bought he a first-class like, first ticket, ticket for the fucking teddy bear. Teddy bear. Bitch, Lee Iacocca was probably sitting next to this fucking teddy yeah. bear that had a fucking seatbelt yeah. on it. 
Um, they were talking about the the ruby slippers uh, from because Dylan Love, the Wizard of Oz, that he had um, the he had the crew make the crew from one of his <laughs> movies stop what they was doing make for her. and make her ruby slippers. <laughs> um, but when Satchel, because because they refer to him as Satchel at this point, in they the refer to him as Satchel all the um, way through. They just say later Ronan up until he they, like when, they, when yeah. it's like actually him as an adult. It says Ronan, but every other time they mention him, they say Satchel. It's Satchel. Yeah. <laughs> Which and that confused Satchel. me at first until they until I saw the thing that said now known as Ronan. I said, oh, it's not a different kid that we're talking about. Okay, same thing because I was like. But what about Rowan? Yeah, because I was like, where so where does Rowan like, oh. fall in all this? And then it's like, oh, wait, Rowan is Satchel. <laughs> but it took like four times him but, to say that. Also, in my head, I was like, well, he's Frank Sinatra kids anyway, so why would he be in his <laughs> All right, that was that was a little cackle for y'all. We don't know I that. Mean, so, you know, alleged, alleged. Mia said it. We don't know. Um. Mia starts to talk about how when Satchel is born, um, Woody begins the process of what feels like grooming and separation. Mm -hmm. And Dylan confirms it with the stories of, yeah, he would tell me that, oh, well, Satchel is more your mother's child. You're more of my child. And, oh, you know, your mom's too busy for you now because she has her son. The whole time, Mia's like, where is my daughter? <laughs> Why are you taking my daughter away? So we begin to see what can be um, perceived as being um, a, a, the beginning of a pattern of grooming and separation. Mm -hmm. um, did you see that breakfast? After they start talking about that, did you see that breakfast home yes. video with the girlfriend? Yes. And... Okay, so they introduce a new person who is, I think it was Fletcher's, Fletcher's ex-girlfriend? Oh, it was one of the old, Mia Farrell's older boys, uh, her older son's uh, girlfriends, who began spending time with the family. And, you know, you, you know how you do when you date. You take your, sometimes you take your partner's family on as your own. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't, but sometimes. Um, and they show a home video of the family sitting around and she's talking about how much she loved being there because it was just this fun and energetic and diverse place to be. And it was always filled with this joy. So they panned from, <laughs> bitch, <laughs> they panned from, uh, let's just say left and around to right. And you get a, a glimpse of uh, Woody first and then directly sitting next to him is Sun Yi. And then they get the girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. But did you catch the look that the girlfriend... <laughs> the look the girlfriend slightly gave yes, the camera? Yes. Of like, what the fuck? Yes. Probably wasn't related to that. But seeing but that, fit. having that visual of Woody sitting next to Sun Yi. And then the girlfriend being like... Like, so what's happening here? <laughs> She's like, what the fuck is happening? Um, then we begin to get into the more Oof. uh the heavier yeah. stuff. All right. So this is when um it gets difficult. Yes. So witnesses 
family members, friends, because they they all almost say the exact same thing that Woody's uh, Woody had intense affection and um, his in attention for his daughter was inappropriate. Yes. Um, and that was the, the one of the first things that we really get as we slowly start moving into this. Woody starts talking to, oh God, Woody starts talking to Mia about how he had to, he slapped Dylan's hand away because apparently as a young child at this point, she's not even seven. Yeah, she's point, like four. Um, she grabbed her, pe- grabbed his penis. Yeah, which would be weird to me because it's like, yes, I know it for, that's kind of when kids start to get curious about that kind of stuff. But, and because I think that's when, that's about the first time that my kid asks, like, what's the difference between mommy and daddy? And then she started pointing out the differences she can see. But that was the first time we had to, like, talk about, like, the body and stuff like that. So, yes, kids get curious. Mm-hmm. But I don't know no kid that's reaching to touch that if they've never seen it. Just because... Like, at that age, they're not even touching themselves yet. I mm-hmm. mean, yes, little boys tend to play with themselves a little earlier, but it's just more because it's something they can play with. Like, it's not in that, like, curious type of way. Yeah, this is it, um... from my experience working in. in, in <laughs> I mean, because I, you know, I used to work with kids, <clears throat> so it's like the only kids that would do stuff like that are kids who has seen it in their home. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had one little boy at five years old tell this little girl that his mom's boyfriend told him if a girl likes you, she'll put her mouth on your thing. Uh, At five years old. So, but those are the only type of kids that you hear talking about and doing stuff of that nature. Yeah. Um, Well, Mia... Mia is told by, um, so Mia puts, Mia goes to therapy. Mia makes Woody get a therapist. And she's told by this therapist that, um, oh, hey, uh, (laughs) that, sorry, y'all, um, that boundaries have to be, uh, set with Woody and that, and in regards to his behavior with Dylan Uh and that his behavior is highly inappropriate um, she brings up his intense uh, affection towards Dylan, and he gaslights the fuck yes. out of her. Um, he's, he calls her crazy. Um, he says that there's something wrong with her. One of the people living in Mia's New York building, um, it was a psychiatrist that lived in her building by the name of Ethel, Ethel I can't read my writing, Ethel Rearson, I think. Mm-hmm. Ethel. <laughs> so Ethel calls and uh 
Ethel Clausen says that she's, as a psychiatrist, she's observed some um, off behavior and inappropriate behavior in Woody's greeting to Dylan. Mm -hmm. um, she referred them to a, another therapist who, this was the same therapist, um, who says that the behavior is appropriate um, and that it could be seen as sexual. Mm -hmm. But since Woody has not been around kids. He has to learn how to, how be, to around be around children. children. What the entire whole ass fuck. <laughs> so we have an acknowledgement from the therapist that this behavior could be seen as being sexual uh -huh. with a minor. But because this man has not had or been around children that uh he just has We're to learn how to be around kids. This. this is another this is uh, uh i want to say this is the first time we begin to see the world and therapists and the criminal justice system begin to placate mr woody allen yes. and begin to make excuses for him. and it's like because it's very much because it's whenever we talk about cases like this and not just with woody allen with um you know, Roman Polanski with Snoop. I mean, uh, oh, shoot, not Snoop. I was just looking at. Oh, bitch, you better leave Uncle Snoop out of this. He too busy I with Martha. I was just looking at they selling somebody weed. just made a table that looked like Snoop. And that's what I just saw, which is why he came up. <laughs> I am not including him in this shit. With R. Kelly. That was a with slip. With Cosby, with things of, with people of that nature. It's like people's personal feelings of familiarity oh kevin spacey that was the other one because he they actually did show him in this documentary and i was like oh anyway air his ass out um people get they kind of like fall into this false sense of familiarity right because these are people that remind them of themselves like they're very regular they're very they're accessible celebrities it's not like the hyper attractive like angelina jolie doesn't feel accessible whereas no. somebody like a kevin spacey does right i get that everybody yeah. loves tom hanks because tom hanks feels accessible to them yeah this nigga's doing an interview talking about spades but you see what happened now he talking about spades and now his son out here talking about white yeah, boy fuck summer his son. we're not talking about him fuck him anyway <laughs> but it's like Tom Hanks is like the guy that you see at the bagel shop and y'all become friends. Whereas Angelina Jolie is that lady that you always see from a super far distance you would never dare to talk to. These people feel approachable. Right. There's a human and quality about and them. It's, and you're able to kind of see yourself in these people. So that does definitely play into the willingness of people to ignore things in favor of. Yeah. Woody Allen knows this. He's a filmmaker. Yeah. He knows how he presents. So he very much mm -hmm. knows that he has that quality that makes people overlook things in favor of. And you see that kind of play out throughout this entire ordeal. Woody Allen knows how to play non-threatening when, uh -huh. in the context of this documentary, he's the most threatening He's the most threatening there one there is, yeah. Um, he continues after this process of Mia having to say, 
Woody, don't do this, and these are the reasons why, which you shouldn't have to do, and she's still fucking yeah. doing because the fucking therapist told her that she should, which was stupid. Um, which, if okay, no, I'm not gonna get into that. I'll save that. Um, in this process, uh, he's still making excuses for his behavior, and he's still putting all of the blame and the responsibility on Mia. Um. We end up now in December 1991, and Woody Allen adopted Dylan. He adopts uh, Moses, so he now has three children, a, a joint custody or shared custody at that point. Yes. Well, they're his kids. He now has three kids with uh, Mia Farrell. At this point, he is 56. Yes. And it's also at this point that they begin to say that this is when the relationship with Sun Yi technically, quote unquote, begins. Well, that also depends which on who is you, conflicted. That also depends on who you talk to. Because according to Woody, this is when the relationship begins and she was in exactly. high, in college. She was like nineteen or whatever already in college. According to, uh she was twenty one, okay, I think. Yeah. According to the housekeeper it was her first year it of was college, her senior her year, of high, year of high school when all this started which would have made her like 17 mm-hmm. between 17 and 18 and her freshman year of college would have been between 18 yeah. and 19 either way regardless whether this woman because she's a woman yes. now uh regardless whether this woman at the time was of age or not this man is well beyond any age to be having any kind of sexual interaction or relationship and with Sun Yi. And he raised her. He fucking... He was a figure. I'll say that. Yeah, he was that's a what I'm like. He was, a, he was a parental figure in her life to then transition mm-hmm. himself into her sexual partner. It's just strange. Yes. Um. Uh, okay, so in Woody, in Woody Allen's audiobook, he talks about the first time that he kisses Sun Yi and it was the most disgusting it really was there. it felt so gross and like it felt it felt like I'm listening to somebody recant a sexual assault with such candor and such like right. it was so ca- normal it was, just casual. it was so casual like this is just what you're supposed to do and it's like but ugh and he, he spoke about it in that in that same Woody Allen like awkward lovable goof kind yeah. of way where they were, he was screening, girl, okay. He was screening seven, seven seals, seven yeah. seals. And um, he, he says, he begins to make, he begins to make a move on Soon Yi. And he adds quite smoothly, something like quite smoothly might add or yeah. something about that. That just makes it so much more, disgusting but then in that he then puts the responsibility on her because he says after he kissed her she then says what took you so long what took you so long and it's long? like but it's the same thing that he would do in the movies where it's like the onus of this continued sexual relationship is always on this very young woman and not like yep. this very much older man is getting strung along by this young like Childlike version of a woman. Mm-hmm. So they use 
they use as a visual standpoint through most of the documentary um, Woody Allen's film Manhattan, yeah. starring Muriel Hemingway, yeah. which for a minute I thought was Brooke Shields, but that was a young Muriel Hemingway. Yeah, I thought Hemingway. it was Brooke Shields too, um, and then I was like, oh no, would work. Right, bitch. How often do you hear the name Muriel <laughs> right. Hemingway these days? Oh, okay. Side kind of side note. So I watched Thunder Force uh-huh. and. There is this little bit about Jodie Foster, and I was like, "Who the fuck mentions Jodie Foster?" I was dying laughing because I was like, "This shit is made for me." Yes, because I mentioned Jodie. <laughs> I Foster. said Jodie Foster. I bitch, and Melissa McCarthy said Jodie Foster like six times in a row, and I'm like, she just keeps saying it. Like, where is it? Like, why are we talking about Jodie Foster? This, I mean, I'm happy. Remember, Somebody's was, talking about this girl. I mean, at the time that movie came out, it would have been just after that new Halloween. So Jodie Foster was being talked about again. No, Thunder Force just came out on Netflix. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. And that new Halloween was came out what two years ago. So Jodie Foster is being talked about again. She's okay. In it. Wait, are you thinking of Jodie Foster's in Halloween? Aren't you thinking of um uh, what the fuck is that woman's name? Jamie Curtis. Uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Jodie. You mixing your white women up? I am. Jodie Foster is Silence of the uh, Lambs. Yes. And I'm mixing up my white ladies. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. Panic Room. But, you know, mm-hmm. they both. Yeah. Also, don't nobody mention Jamie Lee Curtis. Also, I mean, the Activia commercials. You know. Activia. She be selling the shit out there. You know. That yogurt. <laughs> Bitch, just look at Kristen Stewart. Kristen Chenoweth? Kristen Stewart, Saturday Night Live, Activia Kristen skits. Chenoweth. No, Kristen Chenoweth is a singer from Broadway. Yeah, I know. She's a Wait, tiny white Kristen lady Stewart on Pushing Daisy. Wait, does Kristen Stewart Jamie Lee Curtis on Saturday Night Live? I think I'm missing my... Kristen Wiig. Ah, There's too Kristen many white Wiig. women named Kristen. Yes. Uh, I know who Kristen okay. Chenoweth is. Okay. That's because she plays Maleficent in uh, The Descendants. Bitch, we sound like two old heads trying to... Mm, just trying to figure out who the fuck and these white people are. As, as this All is right. I'm thinking about that scene in The Golden Girls where Sophia's sitting there with that black dude and she's she, she trying to tell him to say hi to somebody and they keep making up names. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Woody adopts, adopts, adopts Moses and Dylan and he is father, obviously, of Satchel. Who later um, becomes shortly Roman, after this, <laughs> who later becomes Roman? Um, shortly after this, Mia finds uh, what I, I'm going to say. What she she's well, she says hustler, so it's got to be pornographic. Yeah, she, she finds, finds pornographic, pornographic photos of Sun Yi in Woody's house. <laughs> Bitch, why in my notes though did I write hustler? Definitely not yeah, Playboy. Yeah, I was like, you made a real <laughs> distinction, even though there's no difference here. There kind of is. There's a there's a little bit more sleaze to the hustler I mean, but it's also because it was Larry Flint. Have you seen that nigga? Like, duh, girl. Um, is he still no, alive? I thought so. Um... So she finds pornographic Polaroids, bitch. Pornographic it's Polaroids. Like she posed the... for these nudes, and then they had to wait for them joints to develop. This nigga was. Let me not do that. That's not the time. This is not the time to do but that. But you know you can't shake them because then they're gonna be blurry. You gotta do it all over again. It's just it's a very long process to get a nude. Like it's... 
I mean, I know people was doing it, but it's just such a process to get a nude. I'd be like, I don't even want to take this shit. I'm like, leave me alone. Like, like, at that point, he might as well just have her right, drawn like, like one of Jack's French girls, for God's <laughs> sakes. Oh, this is horrible. We're going to hell. Find <laughs> the lightness where we can. Right, you got to with this because this is this is very yes, difficult. It's very difficult to get through. Mostly because we're so, a lot um, of this is focusing on the sexual abuse of a seven-year-old, and I have a seven-year-old, and it's very much like. Yeah, and it's. I hate to say it. In most cases, it's always somebody associated with the family. It, or yeah, family almost always because it's a trust level that's required to, before you can even get there. Yep. Yeah. Well, Mia finds the Polaroids. No, Andre 3000. Shut up. Anyway, Mia finds them. <laughs> I'm so... And she's, like, extremely freaked out and doesn't know what to do, but also knows that... Because she's still working on one of his movies at this time. So it's like... Yes, throughout all this time, they've still been working together. And I think at this point, she's done her ninth maybe tenth movie and it's like she's finding all these reasons to not trust him but he also has full control over her finances at this point as well as partial custody of the children because he's just adopted them um so she goes to confront soon yi soon yi cries um mia sends her friend casey in to discuss with soon yi what's going on Mm -hmm. Woody hears about it. Well, Mia hears Soon Yi on the phone with Woody. Yeah. Woody and um Woody and um uh Mia then have a conversation where Woody flat out says, I love Soon Yi and I would marry uh-huh. her. Which he goes back and she says a conversation takes about four hours. And he goes back and forth with I would marry her. Oh, no, I just said that. I don't know why I said that. I thought it would make it better. Yeah. I really love you, but I love Soon Yi. Like, he's playing the roundabout bullshit fuck nigga games. Now, let me tell you this. To be told that to find out that you have nudes of my adopted child, regardless of their yes. age, and to find out that you as my partner have been having at any kind of an interaction with them, and on top of that, you love them? Yes. Mia Farrow deserves sainthood. See, I took, I didn't, no. I didn't, it didn't read like that to me. I see how you could get that, but to me, it's like, I just thought Mia Farrow, Mia Farrow needs a therapist because she's so. No, she definitely she, does. I was like, she was so. She allowed herself to be so dependent on him that even when it got to the point that it was no longer feelings involved, she still was making excuses. She was still making so it's excuses. Like, yeah. I yeah, see why somebody fair. could take it that way, but that's just not how it read to me. It read very much like. She needs a therapist and a shot of self-esteem because it's all in your face, yet you're still making excuse after excuse after excuse for this man. Yep. And my reference in like referring to sainthood is like still having like still having all of this your in such your entire life tied to this right. man and 
trying desperately for the privacy of both of you to navigate yeah. it quietly and get shit figured the yeah. fuck out. Well, shit hits the fan, y'all. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna stop at this point. This is a good stopping point, just because it's just like it's so much after this. This early another two damn hours. Like this is a good stopping point. <laughs> well, this actually this leads into the last point where okay, Dylan, yeah. where Mia goes to therapy, yeah. and the therapist tells her that she has to have this discussion with Dylan and yes. Ronan. So she explains to the kids in the most kid-friendly terms. To all the kids, and not Dylan just Dylan says, and Ronan, all the children. Well, yeah, all the children, but especially because, mm-hmm. you know. And Moses, especially um, Dylan, Moses, and Ronan, because those were his kids. Mm-hmm. Like. She um, explains this to the kids, and Dylan, at a very young age, has a click in her, just has a click in the mind of... It's, it's not, not just, just me. me. So, so to wrap this boy up, um, she be we start to begin. We start to get into the um, actual child sexual abuse and the uh-huh. case, which we're going to pick up. Um, one of the important things is that because of the case and because of her age um, and the way that she describes things, she's discounted and yep. disavowed and devalued. Uh-huh. And just kind of quickly from an interview, and it's just a quick line from this interview with Gail King back in 2018. And we'll do, I'll read the, a little bit more uh-huh. of it next week. Um, okay. As he sat behind me in the doorway, and as I played with the torn train, I was sexually assaulted. As a seven year old, I would say, I would have said he touched my private parts. And Gail King goes, mm hmm, okay. And Pharaoh, and Dylan Farrell says, which I did say. Gail King says, all right, all right. And Dylan Farrell says, as a 32-year-old, he touched my labia and vulva with his finger. So now we're going to move into the conversation of Dylan as a child, the coercion, the quote-unquote coercion yeah. from her mother, which not not a thing. No, it was And her being disavowed as a child. Yeah. And now her be having to be an adult and saying, okay, well, you niggas didn't believe me now, so here, we're going to attach some shit. We're going to attach this with adult, adult language. language. And I'm going to put this in your face and make you fucking yep. uncomfortable until you fucking yep. listen. Woo, buddy. Woo, buddy. Woo. All right. This was a lot. It's a lot. And yeah. It's, I mean, but that's what we set out to do. We're going to, we said we're going to cover reality. That includes documentaries and that includes the heavy stuff as well as the fun bullshit. Yeah. I've also had to pee for the last Same. hour and I'm sitting here talking about this fuck shit and I got to piss. So, uh, <sighs> all right. Well, all right. Ladies and gents, kings, kings, things. We're going to wrap this shit up. We'll have it. Part two will be out yes. next week. I'm Lee from the D. Everything I do is in my bio, leak in my bio. At Fashionably Now. Um, everything I do is in my Instagram bio. I'm also doing a giveaway on Instagram. So if you want to go in, go to my page. You'll see the instructions. Um, it's going to be a virtual makeup class as well as four sets of mink lashes. And if you know, you know. Because, girl, they not cheap. Um, but If you know what I know, then you know exactly. what I mean. But, yeah. It's all there. It's all around doing the things. 
check us on Instagram Live on every Wednesday. Uh, live show. Every yeah. Wednesday at 5. Uh, every Wednesday at 5. Check us out on uh, IG Live. We do one. It wasn't for the self-help live. We bring you just a little bit of negativity via the world of internet dating. <laughs> All right. All right. I've had enough negativity for today, and I got to pee. Good night, y'all. Yeah. <laughs>